we've reached the end of our fall championship preview series with our last fall championship, and that is football. I am Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association, and joining me today on the podcast is Lou Mazzacco, our Assistant Executive Director in charge of the sport of football. Welcome. Thank you. We are hosting our football championships for really the first time. In a long time. In a long time. Not on the weekend that is traditionally the Thanksgiving Day weekend. We made a few changes in our classification system. We're going to try not to get into the details of that. But because of those changes that went into place this 23-24 school year, our football championships, all games will be in the same weekend, which it's not been too long ago since we were doing that, but we're all in the same weekend and we're all on November 30th and December 1st and 2nd this year. That is correct. And so we'll have how many championship games over those three days? Seven. We Seven. We will start on Thursday with the eight-man championship, Thursday evening, 7 p.m. And then on Friday and Saturday, we have the same time schedule, three games, 11, 3, and 7. And on Friday, we've got our odd classes, 3, 1, and 5 in that order. And then on Saturday, 4, 2, and 6 is our order. And where will these games be? These games are played at Faroe Field on the campus of the University of Missouri. Okay, so for those college football fans out there, the weekend we're talking about is the conference championship weekend. So Thanksgiving weekend is the, the end of the regular season for FCS. And we're dealing with Division One conference championships that weekend. The University of Missouri is not hosting a conference championship. I believe it's mathematically impossible for them, and as of the recording of this, to win the SEC East. However, we're going to be at their home field while they are likely preparing for an eventual bowl. Now, we haven't reached the bowl season by that weekend. Again, we're still finishing up conference championships But we'll finish out on Saturday, and they should know their bowl by Monday. So we have found that when we're at that facility, there's still a buzz going on with Mizzou football. Yeah, and it's great. It's great for them. I mean, the fact that we are having to negotiate our schedule with their schedule with practices, that's great for them. And they are very accommodating in allowing us to stay on the main field and not have to move any championships, especially now. I think it's been a great benefit. They have a new indoor practice facility that provides them everything that they need to practice and be prepared for the bowl season. And for us, it allows us to stay on the game field and play flagship university, flagship field in the state of Missouri. And and I think that's really important for our kids to have that opportunity. For some of them, it's the last football game they'll ever play, and it's the first time they've ever played on a collegiate field, and I think that's a great thing for them. Yeah, we've had Craig Long on a few of our episodes this fall to talk a little bit about the venue process and how we ended up where we are right now. Craig's not here today, and I could try to pretend I'm Craig, but I can't speak to the history like he can. But I will also reticent to get into that right now because we do have a request for proposals out right now for our football championships starting next fall. And so we don't know where we'll be next fall. I can't say we'll not be at the University of Missouri, but we could be somewhere else. So we are in a position right now where we don't want to, I guess, taint the process by talking a little bit about, you know, maybe how we ended up there. However, we are in a decision phase for football And the wow factor, as you mentioned, the wow factor for playing at Faroe Field for, you know, many, many Missourians, it's a pretty big deal, and it's really cool. There's a backside, (laughs) 
a downside to that. There may be a few, but one big one is it's a massive place. 70,000-ish seats that we, we're never going to touch that uh, no. in our state championships. So we can have a really well-attended championship game at eight to 10,000 people, and it still doesn't look like the place is even close yeah. to full. So the feel is a little different. But when you think of it from the perspective of the kids, the players, as you said, it's pretty special to play at Mizzou's facility. It's special for the fans to be there. But we're, you're just not going to get that Saturday afternoon feel, feel yeah. or even the Friday night feel. Right. We're still happy to be there. We're really appreciative of the University of Missouri and Mizzou Athletics for helping to accommodate a really great facility and a really great event. Our football championships are, uh, they're like most of them, they're, they're a great event that celebrate kids and coaches and schools, and we're happy to be there. So, so it's also one of our events that we will have lots of schools bring their bands, lots of schools bring their dance team their palm team, their cheer team. It is a community event. I can remember two years ago, my first year, one of the schools that was coming in got a call from the AD. He was having to work with local sheriff's department so that they could have some deputies from some other counties come in because essentially every sheriff, every deputy in that county had a kid playing on the football team or in the band or a cheerleader. They were all going to be outside the county down in, in Mizzou. So it's, it is a great atmosphere for our schools that get the opportunity to make it there. And, and not just the football team, but it's special for those kids. As well. Our championship road, our postseason for football, is not, from a tournament perspective, it's not a lot different than many of our other sports. However, because we play one game a week and the number of schools per class is generally much smaller in football than in our other sports, Talk to us a little bit about the postseason. How do schools qualify for the state championship? So football is unique. I think we call some other sports occasionally here special and unique, but football is unique in the sense that, one, they probably lead the other sports in the number of formats that they've utilized to get into the playoffs. I have been a part of four-team districts with one qualifier, four-team districts with two qualifiers. Even in my early years of playing a point system, that you could be undefeated and still not make the postseason if you didn't have the right points. So we have a point system, and that point system is based off of your regular season competition. It takes into account what you've done on your schedule, but it also gives you strength of schedule points for what your opponents have done less your game. So that point system goes into seeding a district and Eight-man has roughly 44 schools in it. Class one has 36 schools. Class six has 42. And classes two through five have in the 56 range in that area. And so basically, eight-man and classes two through six are in eight districts per classification. Class four is only in four districts. So the teams are distributed out. They're seated. And they're put on a tournament bracket. They're put on a district bracket, but that district bracket's also linked to the state bracket. It's out there. Class one, because there are over 32 schools, but only in four districts, they have play-in games on week 10, while the other classifications are playing district quarterfinals. So class one is a week behind in their districts compared to everybody else. So the standard is week 10 is district quarterfinals, then district semifinals, week 11. And this past weekend, we just had district championships in eight-man in classes two through six. This week will be quarterfinals for those teams that won, and class one will be having their district championships. 
all schools next weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, will be playing semifinals. When we get into the state series, those games are defaulted to Saturday at 1 o'clock, but the two schools can choose to play it on Friday at 7 o'clock, and they can request a variance in time if they need to. One of the features of Missouri's football championships is that every team that registers for the postseason is in the tournament. They're all in the tournament, and that is not the case in many other states. You must qualify for the tournament. And you could say, well, let's just not count week 10, you know, and things don't really start until week 11. Well, that's not actually true. We start our playoffs in week 10, and theoretically, every team that's registered for the postseason has a chance. So it's a little bit different way of looking at things. And with the postseason structure we're in now, and you've mentioned we had had many, it's a true elimination format. Even though we do have a point system, that point system is only used to seed district tournaments. And district tournaments are merely the first three rounds of, uh, of, the, big uh, of the, big, the big bracket. So it is exciting for schools to, I think, you know, every school kind of thinks maybe, we, maybe we've got a shot, you know, and, and sometimes the underdog wins. Well, and that is the case. I mean, with the system, since we've gone to this point system, I believe we've had one fifth seed come out of a district going into this weekend. I think we have one five seeds still playing, and I think we have a couple of four seeds playing. So, I mean, there's a chance. And I will say this past weekend with district championships, uh, watching the scores roll in, we had some awesome, awesome games. You know, games won on the last play, games that were neck and neck into the fourth quarter, three-point games, one-point games. So it's really, it's an exciting time for us. How do we assign officials for our postseason and our championships? So officials apply by crew, and when they apply as a crew, there's a minimum number of games during the regular season they have to have worked as that complete crew. If it's always an all-star crew where you're pulling people from here and there, that crew's not going to have an opportunity because they don't meet that minimum. Once they've registered for the postseason, our schools have the opportunity to make recommendations, and they can recommend them saying that, hey, we think this crew is capable of calling a district-level game, or this crew's is capable of calling a state series, a quarterfinal, semifinal game. And then these crews are championship site crews. And so we compile all that information. And as Craig is not here to help you on the RFP process, Kenny Seifert, who is our coordinator of football officials, is not here to help me on this. So essentially, Kenny takes all that information. Week 10, he brings in assigning associations from across the state into our office, and they work to assign We had 122 games on week 10 this year. And so those associations help to assign crews regionally. After week 10, it is Kenny with some input from some of our rules interpreters and officials, observers going through and trying to put crews out into games where they are good to call. They're capable of calling that game. Doesn't matter the classifications. We have great games at all levels and we have very intense games at all levels. And so Kenny and his group work real hard to place crews in the places that they are best needed. And as they work through each week, we we went to, we were 122, we were 112, and that number just keeps chopping down each week. And actually, probably about a month ago, Kenny identified who his potential state crews were. Once we know who the teams are, he'll put them onto the contest. So a football officiating crew is five individuals, and we're trying to put 
the crews who have kind of the best feedback, they've got a, a combination of successful experience, coaches' recommendations, football observers give us information. The local association of the Football Officials Association has information. We've got a lot of, of data we're putting together. Some of it is hard numbers and a lot of it is where have they called this year? What area of the state are they working? And who have they called for? So we've got a population of crews we want to work at any given level. And when I say level, I'm talking about week of the playoffs, which is level of the tournament. So week 10, Lou said week 10, we say week 10. That's the first week of the playoffs. It's the 10th week of the season. So we have a nine game regular season. The 10th week is the beginning of the playoffs. So we have crews assigned to week 10, crews assigned to week 11, and so on. As you said, we kind of cut things down and teams are advancing through the bracket. However, we have to make sure that after a team qualifies for any given week, a week 12, week 13 game, we are looking at the crews that we have available that we have determined these are the crews that need to call that weekend what kind of conflicts of interest do we have? How often has a crew or has a crew even called for that particular team? And if they have, have they also called for the other team? And did the other team recommend them? Or did this team? You, there's a lot of things we've got to take into account because contrary to popular belief, we're trying our best to create the most fair playing field for all teams, all communities. Things happen. But not for lack of trying, not for lack of trying to gather as much information as we can about five different individuals (laughs) and two different schools and the history of this season and other seasons and whose cousin plays on what game and all those things and who graduated from which school. And we've got to take all that into account. So kudos to Kenny and the folks who work with Kenny to get that done. We don't, you know, in most other sports, we're looking at two three officials, still a huge challenge. We have to do the same thing there. But when you've got crews of five and they come as a package, (laughs) you can't mix and match. Basketball game, you can mix and match. Well, this particular official shouldn't call for school A, but we can switch that person out and go over here. No, with football, the crew is the crew. And if you've got one conflict with the back judge, there's no changing out that crew. So It's a very complex process, and knowing the kind of work that Kenny puts into that and what you, Lou, put into trying to create the environment for a fair tournament, and then when things happen and people say, they they didn't, well... Yeah. Folks. It's, yeah. <laughs> we, well, we try really hard. We try really hard and it's a tight and and the other part that I think people probably don't realize is it's a tight window. Yes. This past week, all of our games were played on Friday night. All of our scores were in the system by 10:30. When those scores get in the system, I start banging on the doors of ADs or phones and emails. I need them to put in their game details for the next weekend because before Kenny can even look at pushing and moving officials around, because the one thing we didn't talk about is is that some of our high school crews are good enough that they call college games on Saturday. Well, we may be thinking, hey, this crew may be great for this game, but all of a sudden that game ends up on Saturday. That crew's not available. So that's another aspect. So we try to get the game details, and for the most part, we had game details ready by noon on Saturday, which meant Kenny was ready to be able to start working through those. 
this week. We're going to have games as we have a couple of games, two games that are going to be played Saturday at 2 o'clock, which 2 o'clock on Saturday is the latest time that we will have games play. That means those games are going to get done. We'll hopefully have the scores in by 5 o'clock, 5.30, and then I'll start hammering again. And that means we're probably not starting that assignment process until Sunday morning, given there are a few less games to assign. But it's still a process, and we've got to turn it around. At 12.07 this afternoon, I was sending out emails because the one thing that every coach and AD wants to know is who's my crew for next week. And so at 12, Kenny gave me confirmation this morning, hey, all crews have accepted their assignments. And at 12.07, I sent an email out to the host and to the visiting schools of here's who your crews are. And from Friday's start of games to Monday morning as we turn all that stuff over every week when it comes to the postseason officials assignments. So. so it's not just an accident how that stuff happens? No. Is what you're saying? <laughs> Well, I think we've done a nice job of helping our listeners understand how our postseason's set up, how we handle officials. Officials are big; they're a big topic. If they're not a big topic, that's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't generally work that way. And newsflash, we've hired humans again to be our officials. They're just like me and you, and they watch the game from the place they have to watch it with a whole lot of understanding of the rules and some experience and knowing what to look for and what the rules are and how to how to interpret them and all those things. They do a great job. And every once in a while, they make a mistake or they miss something. Yeah. And that's the truth. And we know that they, like every one of those players and every one of those coaches, they come there that day to perform at the highest level. That's what they want to do. Absolutely. And just like the player who absolutely wanted to catch that ball. <laughs> and it just didn't happen, the same thing can happen for an official. So just a little plug for our officials. We haven't done that for most other sports, but I think football officials kind of, they take it on the chin a lot. We really appreciate them putting themselves kind of in the line of fire often. It's a tough game to officiate. There's a lot going on. They have to work as a team just like the teams do. And so we just appreciate officials. If you're listening, we appreciate what you do. Officials in all sports. We're talking about football today, but we're glad that you make it possible that we can have games. Absolutely. So, Lou, thank you for being with us. Excited for this year's football championships coming up in just a few weeks. If you're listening to this, it'll probably just be a few days. But we want to thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstead, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.